This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching Fanboy. 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 Fanboy, etc. Fanboy Nation. Dad, I assume Tom. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with a very talented young man who's the star of Blues Clues and You, with this week's episode being Blue Sing Along Spectacular that also features Ali Brooke and Yolanda Adams. Josh De La Cruz, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me, RC. It's my pleasure. You know, I'm excited for you. You're working hard. You've got the Nickelodeon dream job right now. And you're also a part of WebMD singing about their COVID, uh, you know, uh, um, on their COVID videos. And now you're doing a musical of all, of all things, especially in a pandemic. God bless you. Uh, American yeah. Morning. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. You know, I'm 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 so pumped for this episode of Blues Clues to come out this 14th. It's on uh, Tuesday at 9 a.m. on Nickelodeon. Uh, like you said, Ali Brooks is going to be there. Yolanda Adams is coming back as the sun, and it's a ton of fun. I mean, it, uh, it, we're having a backyard concert, and we've called it Blue Stock for so for all the parents that are in the know what that is in reference to. That's what we're doing. Um, so it's a lot of fun, and especially nowadays with everything going on, it's nice to have something that you know is going to um, just be a positive experience and, and hopefully give all the parents at home just at least 20 minutes of a break to either sit down and watch with a kid or just to have a break and just know that their kids are going to be okay. Um, but it's really, really exciting. I'm so thankful that WebMD, I was able to work with them. And um, American Morning, I am so pumped. So I first worked on American Morning at the at Playwrights Horizon uh, here in New York City as a workshop. And Timothy Huang, who's the uh, composer who wrote the, the book, the lyrics, the music, um, he, he's incredible. He's a genius. And uh, so that was my first brush with it. And at the time, it was only a workshop. So we were just uh, getting up at music stands and singing out loud and I thought, oh, man, I would love – I can't wait for this show to come out. And I can't wait for the show to come out so that I can have the cash recording. And um, fast forward to an, uh, maybe two years at this point, they had another workshop, but uh, um, a production off-Broadway uh, last summer. And it was amazing. It was at the uh, ART here in New York City, but they didn't do a cash recording. It was a really small production. And so now fast forward to literally before COVID, this is, um, I got home from filming season two of Blues Clues in February. I want to say February 2nd. We were in the recording booth February 10th and finished like the end of February. So like maybe March 1st, we finished. And then we went into lockdown uh, March 13th or March 12th. I can't remember what it is. It's been so long now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's, it's kind of the last thing we did before getting into it. So it's been mixing. It's been um, getting ready for the release. And now it's available on Spotify, on Apple Music, and all the streaming services. And I'm so pumped because this is the studio cast recording with some awesome new orchestrations by... Um, uh, Alexander Sage Oyen. It's it's really really phenomenal. There are so many uh, uh, there's so much Broadway talent on this album. You have uh, Ray uh, Ray Lee, um, Ariel Jacobs, Tom Sesma, and, and the list goes on. I'm I'm really really pumped. 
Well, I'm excited for you. Full disclosure, I'm not usually a musical guy, but when I heard the song, I can't believe I'm here. I couldn't stop laughing. Um, you know, I found out you were born in Dubai and my family's from the Middle East. So when one of my cousins, oh, yeah, you know, especially like, dude, Dubai is hot. I like, I feel for your parents that are like, you know what, let's just go there and have a kid. Oh my god! <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because, like, uh, whenever anybody finds out that I was born in Dubai or I tell them that I was born in Dubai, I have to preface or and say, like, listen, when I was born there, it was a very different Dubai. There was no grass. There was. It was like my uh, my parents were working um, overseas, so they're both from the Philippines, and so they met there working. Um, Internationally, my mom's a nurse, and my dad was working for a company at the time, and uh, so that's where they met. And they just recently, by recently, meaning like five years ago, five years ago, they went back for a um, uh, like a reunion of all their work friends that met there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "So how is it? Where's? Did you see our old apartment and everything?" Like, "Oh no, there's the old apartment is not there anymore. It's um, it's a high rise, and there's grass now." And I was like, "Yeah." Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Uh, but it's always so funny seeing people's reactions. Like you, you know, like what Dubai was and what Dubai is. But usually, people that were born in the states are like, "Oh, you were born in Dubai." I was like, nah, it's not. It wasn't that fancy. <laughs> right. It wasn't until the cousins in Abu Dhabi from the ruling family decided to compete with each other to to see who could Absolutely. build uh, the craziest thing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now, now Dubai has an indoor ski uh, ski resort because you know, again, it's like 120 right now in Dubai, so people are skiing oh down the mountain gosh. and everything. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's incredible. Yeah. You know, so it's got to be an interesting experience. I mean, I don't know if you've met uh, one Ho Chun. He's uh, he's Korean and Vietnamese, but he was born in Jordan, and uh, wow. yeah, he's a stand-up comic and he speaks Arabic better than I do. Because he was born, he was uh, he was raised there, and it's oh, it's crazy. yeah, and it's hilarious because he does a whole bit about how people like from the Gulf states and other parts of the Middle East, you know, will talk about him, and then he'll answer him in Arabic, and they don't know how to react. <laughs> That's it's it's crazy because my my um, one of my friends growing up in high school, she is uh, Chinese. Her both of her parents are Chinese, but they were born and raised in Cuba. So they speak Spanish flawlessly, mm-hmm. and it's always one of those double takes as well. Where um, I, and I, I, it always makes me smile because when her dad was alive, he would talk with a thick Cuban accent, which to me, being an uh, being Asian, is like, whoa, that is so cool! I've never seen that before. Um, and then again, another friend of mine, her sister they're Malaysian mm-hmm. and she went to school in the States. So she has an LA accent, <laughs> but her sister went to school in London. So she has a British accent. And when I, when I finally met her sister and then I met their mother who lives in Malaysia as well, like mom had a Malay accent and her two daughters had two different Western accents. It was <laughs> like, it was nuts. <laughs> uh, and that, actually that's like my friend Cam. He's Chinese. But he was born and raised in Sweden, so he has a big Swedish accent. And, like, you know, it blew me away because when I was talking to him in class, I wasn't looking at him the first time I met him. And oh, so, gosh. yeah, so I just hear the Swedish guy, and I turn around, and I see the Chinese guy. And I was like, what happened to the <laughs> Swedish guy? And he's like, that's me. 
Yeah, it's 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 absolutely it's it's so fascinating because and, and what I love about like what we're talking about now and 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 about like um American Mornings the the studio cast recording of the musical it's about these immigrants that that end up in the country that they're they're trying to find opportunity and um it's based around these two guys who share um uh, a a cab medallion. So one guy drives at night, one guy drives in the morning shift, and um, they get to the states relatively around the same time, trying to to uh, trying to achieve the American dream and and bring their wives over. Um, and what happens is that one of them starts like really optimistic, and one of them is more in like a really real pessimistic place. And you see the shift happen and the consequences of. Uh, treat how we treat each other, especially in regards to this dream, this American dream, and and like whether it be capitalism or just trying to um, uh, uh, make a life for yourself. And what is the cost of that? Um, the show is originally uh, called uh, Cost of Cost of Living, and um, it's it's a really really uh, incredible story, but also speaks to what we're talking about. How like it's so crazy how we assimilate to the to the country that we're in. Um, and, you know, I, I study uh, before COVID and between filming, um, I study Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So it's really interesting hearing um, the different Brazilian accents right. uh, in, in the studio and then on YouTube, because it's like there's like a Brazilian New York accent. There's a like true Brazilian accent. And then you, you have like, Hodger Gracie, um, who has a school in Great Britain, and he has like a British Brazilian accent. It's 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 pretty it's pretty cool. It's like it's incredible, and and just to see how um, how we of different cultures and everything uh, assimilate. Absolutely, man. And the, are you training with Henzo Gracie, or are you training with Matt Sarah out there in New York? Oh, uh, we, I was training at Henzo Gracie while, uh, before everything was going on. Oh man, dude, Henzo is hilarious. He's, he, I, he is a ball of energy, but again, I mean, it, it makes sense because he is constantly doing what he loves. It wasn't like, um, something, uh, a, a family burden that he had to take on. It's like, well, now you have to open up a school. Like he absolutely loves it. Do you, do you practice jujitsu as well? Uh, judo is my original background, but I did a little jujitsu and, uh, I've interviewed Henzo. And the first time I met him, like he was just all huggy and like, like he treated me like he knew me. And people are like, how long have you known Henzo Gracie? I was like, I met him five minutes ago. And it was just like, <laughs> he was, he was just the coolest dude ever, man. Yeah. It's, he's, he's an incredible teacher. And, um, I've only had, have class with him maybe like twice huh. and uh it's 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 incredible the, the the charisma that he has and the energy to just kind of like get you excited um and what i love about henzo's in new york is that there's such great teachers nobody is really kind of like um because a lot of the time i don't know how it is in the judo world but in uh in jujitsu especially because it's not for some reason, it's not an Olympic sport yet. Um, a lot of the athletes become teachers and open up schools. And so uh, that doesn't necessarily translate uh, to like great athlete, great teacher, but right. over there, they have such great teachers and 
I don't know, the way that they teach, there's like a pedagogy. And, and so it's, it's a really, really wonderful place. And uh, I, I definitely miss it. I'm, I'm like a lifelong white belt just because I have to, I started when I was doing Aladdin on Broadway. And so I would have to, which is, you know, like on the DL against my contract. <laughs> so whenever I got injured, either from the show, doing the show eight times a week, I would have to pump the brakes on jujitsu just because like it's my livelihood. And then if I got hurt, I've bruised so many ribs, um, but I've never called out out of work uh, just because I'm like, I am not going to, you know, uh, let this beat me. I would have to take a break. And now that I'm on Blue's Clues, I, because I'm the only person on camera, like there's zero, like they don't even want me biking to work. Um, <laughs> because if I get hurt, like the entire production is stalled. So I'm like six months on, six months off. And right now I was like, okay, great. This is awesome. I'm going to get my blue belt. This is going to be incredible. And then freaking COVID happened. And I was like, no. <laughs> well, either keep your hair long or wear, uh, wear wrestling ear guards so you don't get uh, cauliflower while you're sitting there, oh, yeah. you know, trying to do a kid show. Absolutely. No, no, no. I, 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 I always have the head you're on just because I'm like, I can't get cauliflower here. Um, that's a, that's amazing. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Do you still practice judo? Uh, I, w I was for a while, but I was traveling a lot recently because I had just picked it back up. And then of course I was like, Oh, travel just, you know, died down a little bit. And then of course COVID hits and can't yeah. do much else. But that uh, is absolutely the case. Yeah. One thing I noticed with, with uh, American Morning, you know, I was listening to a couple of songs and they're really upbeat, but the story is heavy. You know, it's heavy, man. like to do an upbeat musical with such a heavy storyline of, you know, like you mentioned, you know, uh, you play Ang in it and I haven't seen the full musical yet. So I don't know if he's, you know, he's the optimist that turns pessimist or vice versa. But, you know, yeah. the, there's violence, there's romance, there's immigration story, there's you know, trying to live the American dream and aspects of it become the American nightmare because of greed or of selfishness or of whatever else and not, you know, missing out on the checks and balances. So these are some yeah. heavy topics to deal with with an upbeat music uh, musical score. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because it's um, – and what I love about American Morning is that while it does deal with these really heavy issues – and while it does have an upbeat musical score to kind of keep it moving, keep it, keep the story moving forward, it's all about momentum. Um, you know, it's, it's bringing us into this story, especially with the, with the opening song, uh, the prologue. Um, it starts us in this place. It's like you're in your seat and all of a sudden the car starts and, um, just guns it and you're, you're along for the ride, which I love. There's never any, there's never any moment that fits um that sits back and if 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 a song comes down if a song becomes a ballad there's something about that moment and it get, let, gives itself more importance as opposed to being like a show and i love les mis to death but it's like ballad on ballad on ballad uh <laughs> and it's like three hours long um so it really doesn't do that it it always keeps you moving forward now Again, what is the what is the cost of that? Like, what is the cost of somebody uh, moving forward constantly? How do you treat the people that you meet along the way? Do you do you take them with you, or do you like rush past them? Mm -hmm. um, and it's a really really awesome 
way that Timothy, our writer, was able to illustrate so many different ideas. And, you know, what's incredible about the studio uh, cast recording is um, we're able to hear it contained and, and sit and listen through, through these uh, amazing songs. Um, but hopefully, if there's enough buzz after this studio cast recording, hopefully once we're on the other side of this, we can get a production where the uh, the audience can get the full benefit of the show and the scenes in between, because the scenes are just so beautifully written. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, it strikes a really great balance between these epically upbeat, awesome songs and what is really at the heart of the matter. It, it, it's just so well written. And, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully uh, once this is over, getting a production. I hope so too, man. Hopefully you guys bring it out to LA. Yes. Oh, that would be so good. Cause I haven't spent any time in LA. I think I've been the most I've been there was two days uh, for, um, for a work event. And I, I, I had a blast. I went to Venice beach for the first time. I took my camera. I took so many pictures. I was like, I can't believe this exists and that people live like this every day, <laughs> you know, fast forward to living in hell's kitchen where like the, the name couldn't be, uh, <laughs> it couldn't be a better name for, a, for, a, for an area of New York. <laughs> right. Well, and then in California, we complain a lot when we have no reason to, and I was born here. So I don't care who gets mad at me for hearing me say that. <laughs> that's fair you know, that's fair like you know, I, i'm a lot older than you so i you know i'm the tail end of gen x so when all the grunge music hit and like living by the beach and people were being all mopey and grungy i was like yeah your life sucks you're by the beach <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. oh my gosh um yeah I, hopefully hopefully you know by the time we get to that grungy period of our uh of our music scene if we i'll be by the beach as well so that i can at least get a little bit of a tan while uh while i'm complaining but there you I go love, i love la it's 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 an incredible city um i can't believe that people live so well it's it's and eat so well oh my gosh i ate so much food while i was there it's amazing <laughs> well i'm glad you enjoyed your time here in southern california um with Morning Glory, it's based on an article from the New York Times called Night and Day by Corey uh, – uh, I can never pronounce Corey's last name. Kil, oh, Kilgannon? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Well, Corey, if you get mad at me, sorry, Mifal. You know, teach me how to pronounce it. Um, you know, and so to take an – you know, just one article and turn it into a two-hour musical, that, that says a lot to Tim uh, – you know, to Tim's uh, drive and work as an artist. Oh yeah, I mean, this—it's not his. This isn't his. Uh, the first musical he's ever written, and you know, he—he he found in that story, and I believe uh, you're going to need to fact check me. And if if you're listening, please fact check me on this. Uh, I believe that were the two cab drivers were Mongo of Mongolian descent. So uh, Timothy is Chinese, and so that's how he brought that story. So it was inspired by this article in the New York Times. And within that article, he was able to find an event that was important, but also uh, look at the intricacies of the things that he's been mulling around in his mind, um, being uh, somebody that is Chinese and making it in America. And as in, uh, a, we're a really diverse cast, and while it is um, about two Chinese people, um, 
we're able to celebrate the diversity of New York City within the cast, which is really, really incredible, uh, which also gives us the flexibility to really look at what it means to be an immigrant in America and how um, how language, not only language, but also um, accents are um, are taken as currency uh, within a social interaction. So it's, it's a really, really uh, amazing thing that he was able to expound on from this from this one article um, and something that I definitely connect to uh, growing up. I remember that my dad, when we first immigrated here um, to the States, I remember like he had he had a Filipino accent and because they were working internationally, the people he was working with, everyone spoke English, but everyone spoke English the way that they learned English uh, in whichever country they they came from. So nobody cared about an accent. Everybody had an accent. Um, but I do remember a, a few instances when um, when he would speak uh, because of his accent uh, uh, and people would treat him differently or people would treat him like he was dumb. Uh, uh, And it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I'm so happy is reflected in our show. Um, And, uh, you know, I never really had that. And I can't imagine because being an English speaker, I can't really, I I didn't, I wasn't able to imagine what that was like until I worked in South Korea Mm -hmm. uh, on a show. And none of the signs were, uh, in English uh, letters and none of no one uh, was speaking English because it's Korean. You speak right. Korean uh, when you're there and it's a, a, a pretty much a pretty homogenous um, population. And I remember turning to my wife and being like, Oh wow, this is what it's like. Um, and it's such a valuable experience to have uh, just as a person, let alone an actor to be, to, um, not want to offend anybody and and try to under while trying to understand and get your point across and uh it's it's a really really cool and um yeah but you know taking it back it was inspired by this one article and uh uh timothy was able to find so much complexity and so many different aspects of of being an immigrant in america uh from this one event while you know so based in reality, it's it's not far off. Right. Well, that's what's amazing about it because you know when my dad came here, he he forced himself to lose his accent because before oh, the wow. term yeah well before the term FOB came out, which is fresh off the boat, uh, yeah. a lot of the foreigners were called FBI, which stood for foreign born idiots. Wow, and so I didn't know about FBI. That was a, that was something in San Francisco, like yeah. you know they sometimes they'd call them FBI's. And, you know, once they found out that it meant foreign-born idiot, you know, my dad did his hardest to lose his accent, which was a great thing because, you know, he could he could speak English better than the way I, I speak it. But I always got in more trouble when I was a kid because when he'd get mad at me, his accent would come out. Oh, and he didn't want that. No, I'd start laughing. Oh, no. Because I'd be like, where'd that come from? Yeah, you know, you were fine 10 minutes ago. Now here's the heavy Iranian accent because my dad was from Iran. And so, you know, but he was an ethnic minority from Iran. My father was an Assyrian, so we spoke Aramaic and I didn't I didn't learn to speak Farsi, unfortunately. And so, like, you know, I'd hear this Iranian accent come out after he was speaking perfect American English. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? 
Oh my gosh, it's it's that's absolutely the same. Well, I, I, the same thing with Filipinos. You know, we we find especially Filipino Americans, we find a lot of joy and camaraderie um, talking about our parents' Filipino accents, but only when they're mad because it's always the same. No matter what, if our parent has like an American Filipino accent, like my parents have now. Or like if they don't have a Filipino accent because they did what your father did, um, whenever they're pissed at us, that <laughs> Filipino accent comes out and we can't not help but laugh because like we're used to hearing them speak a different way. Right. Um, but, but you know, like to talk about your dad, like I can't imagine what that's like yeah. um, to have to change the way that you are speaking just because somebody is just so that you don't get um, uh, uh, attacked. Yeah. Uh, for it and thought that you're an idiot that's that's it's um wow but I, i'm glad that in in the midst of all that adversity yeah uh, uh us as children are able to find um just a little bit of of of, of joy in uh hearing their actual accents <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah and then you know and then if you play a filipino character i play you know either an iranian or lebanese character we have the accents down because we grew up with it. So we've, we've been Absolutely. making fun of our parents our whole lives. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I wish, I, I wish that we were uh, taught English. Uh, not English, sorry. Uh, I wish we were taught Tagalog growing up. But, again, like your dad, you know, he, uh, he wanted us to speak English really, really well. Um, my mom and my dad wanted us that to be our first language. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when it comes to Filipino accent, you know, thankfully, we at least have that. Or at <laughs> least an angry Filipino accent, if, if nothing else. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you don't speak Tagalog at all, or you speak a little bit? I can understand it. If, if, um, if people are uh, speaking slowly enough, I can understand it uh, very well. Uh, I can always understand when my parents are mad at me in Tagalog. Um, and I know a couple of phrases here and there. Uh, but it is something that I, I, I am definitely working towards um, so that I can talk to, like, my grandfather uh, without uh, – in an actual conversation that's, uh, um, you know, uh, to catch him up on my life and, and him not have to translate into English because that's, 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 that's so much work. Mm -hmm. And I should – I, I want to I learn Tagalog. It's, 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 it's a cool thing to know. Well, when you go to San Francisco, yes. you know – there's a huge Filipino population over there. I'm sure you could be able to pick it up real quick. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. We just need immersion. We just, I just right. need some, some Filipino immersion and then I'll, I'll be good to go. Yeah. And then you just got to become a 49ers fan or, you know, a Warriors fan, but you're on the East coast. So <laughs> that's going to be a little difficult for you. It's going to be a little difficult, <laughs> but you know, like I'll, 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 I'll at least show up at a game. That would be fun. <laughs> that's awesome, man. You know, Josh, you got so much going on. I don't know when you sleep, but I'm excited for you, especially since you guys dealt with that tropical storm in New York. And the numbers, unfortunately, for COVID are still pretty high, uh, especially living on the island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, thankfully, everyone's wearing a mask and, and, and taking things really seriously. You know, like my wife and I, we wear masks when we go out um, just because we don't want to get you know, let, we don't want to get sick, but we don't want anybody else to get sick as well. So, uh, we're, we're all managing and, and, you know, it's, it's, we, we just have to do our part. And you said your mom was a nurse when you were growing up. So like, obviously she was the first person you turned to and go, yo mom, how serious is this? Oh, absolutely. My mom, um, you know, she, she, uh, just got back from knee surgery 
and she's a breast cancer survivor as well. And her first uh, week, things were starting to ramp up back at the hospital. And then she, she works in the Bronx and they were hit really, really hard. And so she was opening up all these COVID units uh, like left and right. And I thought to myself, I'm like, oh man, you know, we're, we're all worried. And uh, she, she is a trooper. She never complained about anything. Um, but then, you know, she was like, I don't need this. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a breast cancer survivor. Like this is, I'm going to retire. And so she uh, is actually, she retired last month and um, we're so thankful that she did. And um, while still doing everything that she could in her power to, to help out at the hospital and open up these, these extra units, like all over the place. And, um, and she freaking deserves it. She's been a nurse for, I want to say at over 30 years, if not 40 years of her life. Wow. Uh, and so, you know, uh, for all the nurses and doctors and delivery people and uh, any essential worker out there, thank you for keeping this country going. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, Absolutely, man. And on top of that, no one has a right to complain if they ever meet Josh's mom, a two-time immigrant, had to learn two other languages in Arabic That's and right. English, <laughs> survived cancer, had knee surgery, worked in a COVID ward. You cannot complain about anything unless you survived the war at this point. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, life sucks. I lost my job. Really? I survived breast cancer, had knee surgery, and learned two languages because I immigrated two countries. You're going to cry? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm still working on my English. I don't speak English that great, and I'm 31 years old. So, you know, I have, I have, a, I have a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> See, but I'm glad we could joke about these things. And being children of immigrants and you being an immigrant, it's a, it, you know, we have a different perspective than people that have been here for two, three generations because we understand the struggles that our parents went through to give us the, that better life that we didn't expect. Um, before I let you go, I have to ask this of every immigrant child, especially from our continent of Asia, all right, because we usually have five careers coming out of the continent of Asia. We have some sort of <laughs> science where it's a doctor, lawyer, or sorry, doctor, nurse, pharmacist, you know, biologist, et cetera. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, something to deal with mathematics, whether it's engineering, architecture, um, yeah. you know, math itself, um, law, uh -huh. business, or in your case, in my case, the shame of the family because we went into art. Yes. Absolutely. You know, How do you break it to your parents who are two-time immigrants? One is a nurse. Your father is a businessman and go, I'm going to go become an actor. Oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, um, it was a lot of trust, uh, and it was definitely, I was, I got, I was so fortunate to have, to be very supported. You know, they were terrified as, as every parent would be terrified. Um, but thankfully I also had the support of like, uh, teachers saying that, you know, like if he's going to do something now is the time he's, he's super talented, but he also works super hard. Um, and you know, uh, Thankfully, I had that support so that my parents, when they went to the, my teachers and be like, hey, Josh wants to do this. Do you think it's a good idea? Um, they were they were on board. So I had a, a way too easy time um, uh, getting that point across to my parents that this is what I wanted to do. But also, to be fair, I didn't really uh, think I would ever be an actor until later in my life, until like senior year of high school. 
Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So that was like uh, way, way far in advance. I had done a lot of performing and I had worked really, really hard at just as just as a hobby. Um, so it's um, it came at the perfect time, but also I had the right amount of support uh, in order to try and tackle this crazy, crazy job. Right. Well, you're you're doing something right, man. Especially being on one of the most popular children's shows in the history of television. Yes. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited for you. Uh, you know, and probably your sister's a pharmacist, so you got away with it. Like, ah, at least we got the one that that had the uh, standard career. Oh my gosh, my, my <laughs> older sister is, a pu- is is in public health, and she works at a university. And my younger sister is an athletic trainer, so she's like physical therapy. Uh, yes, I did get away with murder. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the only son. And I'm the and I'm the only son, so I oh. got away with double homicide. Oh, they <laughs> hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, it's again, but my sisters are the reason that I even, because they were the dancers in the family. And so they were the ones giving me notes. And my older sister was the one that told me, Hey, you're auditioning for the, for the high school musical. So again, like that support came from, uh, both of my sisters. Uh, and so they were able to put their, 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 our differences aside as, as, uh, as, um, the boy, uh, the only boy of the family. Uh, and they, you know, I couldn't have done it without them. They're so incredibly supportive. Their notes were never petty. They were always like super technical. And I, I, there's no way I, I, I would be here without them. Uh, well, but they, but they do like to rag on me. <laughs> and, and then use you for Blue's Clues stuff for their kids. Absolutely. My, I just had, my sister had uh, her first baby. So, like I am enjoying being the uncle and it's really cool that, you know, they get to know me this way so that whenever I see them, uh, whenever I see him in, uh, in the future, once this is all, once this is all over, um, I, I, I can't wait to see that look of whether it's like, Hey, what are you doing here? Or like, Oh, I know who you are. That's what that'll be really fun. Right. That's awesome. Josh De La Cruz, thank you so much for your time. Uh, the Blues Cruise, uh, I'm sorry, the Blues Clues, where maybe there'll be a, a Blues Cruise, who knows? Uh, episode yeah, drops on Tuesday morning. <laughs> thank you for having me, RC. This is awesome. I'm, I'm glad we, we got to talk about some, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Judo, uh, and, amidst everything that, that, that we've been speaking to. Uh, so thank you so much. This has been a blast. Thank you. And remind us when the album drops for American Morning. American Morning is streaming now on Spotify and uh, Apple Music. And uh, check it out. It's 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 a, it's a awesome. It's a great listen. And uh, I know you'll enjoy it. Uh, uh, Josh, one last thing. Where can we find you on social media if we want to connect? Social media is it's Josh Dela Cruz, and so that's on on uh, Instagram where I'm the most active. I have a Twitter, but you know, I, I Instagram is where you can catch me. Awesome, Josh Dela Cruz, uh, American Morning. He's playing Ang on there. He's playing Josh uh, on Blues Clues and You Tuesday at 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern and Pacific is the new episode. Stream American Morning when you can on Spotify. It's out now. Uh, you're, for people that don't like musicals very often, like myself, you're really going to be surprised because this one's done exceptionally well and is not corny or cheesy. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, RC. <laughs> uh, Josh, hopefully I'll see you when we can finally gather again at the next Kids' Choice Awards. That sounds good. That <laughs> sounds good. I'd love that. All right, my man. Thank you and stay healthy. Stay healthy.